Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us, they were competitive games, though they were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up, we were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying, because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. Matt and Braden here, and thanks for tuning in. If you uh, have been around a while, uh, we are so thankful that you're part of the tribe. And if you're new here, um, welcome. Welcome to mm-hmm. Pure Victory. And we're excited for all the things that you're going to learn and pick up as you go through the episodes. Um, if you haven't yet, if you would want to leave a, a review or even just a rating on the app that you're listening on, that would help just continue to get the word out uh, as people are out there suffering in silence, wanting freedom from porn, freedom from just whatever trauma that sexual... Uh, bondage has put them in um every rating helps every rating helps uh, get the ranking up when people are looking for help so thank you for doing that and we're excited today to talk about a, a subject a topic that is key in our faith and key really in setting us free from so much trauma and torment that goes on on inside of us and so uh, we are with Bruce and Tony Hebel, uh, who are with Forgiving Forward. Bruce was a pastor for 30 years, and now they run this ministry, and they've got three kids and six grandkids. And just, uh, I think it's so, so crucial to get this message of forgiveness out mm-hmm. and teach people really what that looks like so that we can live in freedom uh, in our hearts. And so thanks for being here, you guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yes, we're honored. And you were mentioning to us, um, you're, you've been married for 43 years, and knowing that, you must know something about forgiveness then, <laughs> Dory, but... Just a little. Just a little, right? Far <laughs> more than me, by the way. Right. <laughs> it always works that way, right, Bruce? <laughs> so we're excited to hear kind of why this is an area of passion for you. Um, maybe share a little bit about your story, specifically talking about forgiveness. 
Well, I was raised in a pastor's home, and uh, I was nine when I knew I was going into ministry, uh, which is kind of young, but it's the only story I've got, so I will stick with it. Uh, and so I watched my dad, because if you're going to follow your dad's footsteps, you're going to want to learn from him. And if your son is following you, you want to help him get to the next level and stand on your shoulders. And that was the relationship my dad and I had. And I noticed something about my dad in ministry is he got hurt a lot, because face it, sheep bite. They do. They sneak up behind you and they bite you in places you don't want to be bit and they don't like to let go. And so I watched him and I said, I'm not going to make the same mistakes that he made. I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to, I'm not going to be blindsided like he was. So I go to Bible college. I meet Tony. We get married. I go to Dallas seminary. I get trained by, we get trained by some of the most significant godly leaders in the, in the world and amazing people poured into us. And uh, we launch out into our ministry coming after we graduated thinking, man, we're ready. We're ready. And then we got bit hard the, <laughs> multiple times in multiple places throughout several years. Uh, horrific things. I mean, betrayed, put out for no cause. One of our kids was actually molested by a church member. We had to deal with that as a pastor and a, and a, and a dad. And, and we, we had a, I was accosted physically by an elder in a meeting, crazy stuff happening. In fact, Tony, yeah, I call it focus on the family, which is a ministry out of Colorado and they have a pastoral hotline. So I called them in my darkest, deepest moment and share with them our story. And they said to me, there was like the silence on the phone. I said, hello. <laughs> and they said, ma'am, this is the worst story we've ever heard. Why are you still doing this? You should have wow. quit by now. Most people would have quit the ministry by now. Wow. In fact, I suggest you may consider that. And I was like, no, that's not where I'm, why I'm coming here. But, but that, we didn't quit because it no, was our calling. It was. And uh, so uh, we kept pressing on. And, and, and I have to confess that there was about a year of my ministry as a pastor. We'd come into a church that was kind of dysfunctional and, and we'd brought some order to it. My teaching gifts and my preaching, gift, our uh, leadership gifts were flowing and functioning and the church was getting strong and healthy, but uh, uh, a scab from an old wound got knocked off uh, by a current cir circumstance. And the only word I can use to describe that year was I was in torment. And uh, I didn't tell Tony, I didn't tell my best friend, I didn't tell anybody because I'm a pastor, right? Pastors, we don't have problems. We fix problems. Many of us foolishly think, right? And that's where I was at the time. And so it it, it turned out, I ended up meeting with a counselor uh, who's become a dear friend. Uh, and he challenged me. He said, I think you've got a forgiveness issue and mentioned a particular man's name, pastor I'd worked for in the past. I said, no, I forgave him. I wrote him a letter and told him so. And he, James goes, I think you've got some issue. Why don't you just you and God go away and figure it out. And while you're there, why don't you read this book about forgiveness? And he handed it to me. It wasn't really subtle. So I'm away. I'm, I'm at a lake house. A friend of a friend allowed me to use just me and God on a, just a three, four day retreat. Just God, what is going on inside of me? And on a, uh, I guess it was the third day. God said, you haven't forgiven and mentioned the same man's name James did. And I said, no, God, I forgave him. I wrote him a letter and told him so. And God said, I know, I read your letter. You shamed him in that letter. You have to forgive him. I said, but but he did all of these things that wounded me and my family. And, and he'll think it's okay if I forgive. And God said, but how many people have you told about all that I did for you and in you coming out of that event? How is it you blame him and praise me for the very same event? And I didn't have an answer. 
And so I made what was a very difficult decision for me at the time to forgive that man for the specific things he did that wounded me and my family. And I can't tell you what God did in my heart. It just changed everything in my spirit. I came home and told Tony, she forgave, she got free. We gathered our kids together because pastor's kids get hurt a lot and they don't know what to do with it. And we helped him forgive that man. And then we burned all the legally, legally actionable evidence of what had happened. And then we began to forgive other things. They forgave us. We forgave them. We forgave people, other people. And for 11 hours that day, we dealt with old stuff. And it was the most transformational day in our, in our life. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just completely changed everything. I remember when my particular forgiving moment happened at a lake sooner around that time. And, and I was suffering with severe depression after going through all these things because you pour your heart into these people and in the different ministries. And this is in your mind, you think this is the last place we should be wounded. But for us, it wasn't. And so when I forgave, as God led me to forgive, and he actually downloaded what we call now the protocols to me at that point, um, I was dealing with severe depression. I, you know, the kind where you don't want to live. And that's what I was thinking quite a bit about and how can I leave this planet? And um, he came in and rescued me. And so when I applied those protocols to my heart and walked through that, I, it was like a salvation experience. Everything lifted depression gone. It was instantaneous. There was no waiting. I immediately, I was on a bunch of depression medication. I just stopped those. I don't recommend that, but you know, jumping off cold Turkey, but that's what I did. Cause I didn't need it anymore. And I remember thinking this thought at that point, it was like the sun came out again for me in my heart. And I thought to myself, you know, now I have the tool. I know how to deal with the pain of being wounded. No matter who wounds me and what happens, I know how to be free of that. How to how not to let that control me, and how to be free of the pain. It's simple as applying the blood of Jesus to those places, and so we became very passionate at that time. Yeah, yeah. And then, what two or three weeks after that event we had with our family, mm -hmm. I'm in back in our my hometown with my mom and dad. We're helping them with a project, and my dad and mom had walked through all of these painful situations in our life with us. So they're very familiar with what we had to deal with. And so when we shared all the message with him, he was thrilled. And it was it was amazing what God was it had done in us. And he was excited about it. But on the day we were coming home, we're at breakfast. And um, <laughs> it was just Tony and dad and I, I'm not sure where mom was, but my dad was complaining, kvetching is a word we use, which means grousing and complaining. It's a Yiddish term about a couple of guys. And the Lord had, again, I have these weird conversations with God. They're always short and I always lose the argument, <laughs> yeah. but this was the one I had that day. He said, I want you to speak into your dad's life about his unforgiveness. I said, but he's my dad. God said, I know I was there when both of you were born, speak into his life, but sons don't speak into their, their dad's lives. And he said, they do. If I tell them to, I said, that's true, but how do I know it's you? You know it's me. I'm the, the other guy. He wouldn't tell you to do this. Hmm. Speak into his life. I said, but it's going to upset him. Which one of us do you want upset? <laughs> so I swallowed hard. And I said, Dad, I don't want to upset you, but don't you think it's time to forgive John and Don? Don has been your friend for 50 years, and what he did was dumb. I get it, but it's not worth a 50-year friendship. And, and John was like your son in ministry. Carla was like my third sister. It's been 35 years, dad. They still think you're mad at them. Don't you think it's time to forgive? 
And my 76-year-old retired pastor father looked at me and said, son, I stand rebuked. Will you help me? Wow. You see, most people who need to forgive need help doing it. And I was able to coach my dad to forgive both of those men. And when he was done, he's in tears, he's worshiping. And within two weeks, God orchestrated a reconciliation between my dad and both of those men to the degree that 17 months later, when my dad passed away, both of those men spoke at his funeral at my dad's request. Wow. And again, my dad wasn't an angry, bitter, angry old man. He was a good man. In fact, we stood in line for four and a half hours when he passed away, wow. greeting people nonstop. Wow. Mm. Some people waited an hour and a half in line. So we, all that to say, kind of wrap this part up, mm -hmm. is that God expects forgiven people to forgive others so much so he connects his forgiveness with ours. He expects us to forgive because we have been forgiven. I love it. Uh, it's so powerful. And you've experienced firsthand um, thinking that you forgave and then you've experienced actual oh, yeah. forgiveness. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I think that that's, that's relatable. And then you say there's a difference and I believe it. And I know that too, because I've done the same thing. And I think that that's relatable where we think, or we say it with our, with our words or write it in a letter like you did, right? I forgive you. But can you do some coaching? You'd say you coach your dad and you coach people, but what's the difference between you thought you forgave him, but the Lord said you still needed to. And so how, what, what was what was the difference when you really did do that 11-hour day and really did forgive? Well, I think that that nobody, no Christian leader, believer, Christ follower is ever going to say forgiveness is a bad idea. Mm -hmm. The problem is we tend to salute it but don't actually know how to do it. And so I think one of the things we learned that, that motivated us into forgiving and even to helping other people forgive is that our God expects, as I said earlier, God expects forgiven people to forgive others so much so he connects his forgiveness with ours. And in the Lord's Prayer, the only clause that has a condition attached to it is about forgiveness, but it's not like we would expect. God says we are, Jesus told us to pray, God, use the standard I use at dealing with the people who wound me as a standard you use to relate to me. And I don't think any of us want God using anything we do as a standard, particularly how we forgive, right? But that's what Jesus says to pray. And I think, and, and, and this is kind of a, coming around your question a little bit, we're going to get to it in a second, but I need to give a foundation. In Matthew 18, God, Jesus has asked a question, how many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Is seven times enough? And, and he knew that, Peter knew, who asked the question, that the Pharisees said, if, you have, if someone sins against you twice, you have to forgive three times if you... If you want to be generous after that, you don't have to forgive, probably shouldn't. So he was kind of doubling the maximum of the Pharisees and adding one, yeah. looking for a pat on the back. And Jesus says 490 times. That's 70 times seven, right? That's yeah. a limited number when you think about it. Because mm -hmm. if you get to the 460s and you're still counting, you probably have not yeah, been absolutely. forgiving, right? Yeah, right? And then the story, and very quickly to share it, the story is that there's a ruler. Jesus gives us this parable of a ruler who came to collect debts from some servants who owed him money. And the first one owed him 10,000 talents. He says, pay me what you owe me. I don't have it. Then I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. He says, please, 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 please give me time. I'll pay it back. He didn't ask for forgiveness. He asked for time. But the ruler gave him more than he asked for. He forgave him the debt. Hmm. Well, it's a great story, but most of us don't know what a talent was worth in that day. A talent was equivalent of 60 mina, and a mina was three months wages. So it's 180 months wages or 15 years wages for one talent. 
This guy owed 10,000 of them. That's 150,000 years worth of wages. Please, please, please give me time. <laughs> How can you rack up that much debt? Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's Jesus' story. He's not ours, making right? it up, right? And there is a comparison later on that we will see. So uh, that's at, in the U.S., the median income is $50,000. That's $7.5 billion at that rate mm. that the ruler forgave. Then that same servant should have been happy, should have been in a good mood, but he wasn't. He found another servant who owed him 100 days wages, which is about $16,000, and he refused to forgive him. He threw him in prison mm -hmm. after the same appeal. And then the ruler summoned him. He said, you wicked slave, I forgave you all of that debt. Shouldn't you forgive your fellow servant the same way I forgave you? And then it says the little L Lord handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what he owed. Well, what did he owe? Well, at that point he owed, he didn't know the money. What did he owe? He owed mercy to the next guy or what we call forgiving forward. Mm -hmm. And the torturer in that day was a man who was assigned to the jail, who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. Mm. That's a horrific horrific experience yeah. and it's not because the guy had a debt it's because the guy didn't forgive a debt it's not because he was wounded it's because he didn't forgive it mm. and then jesus says my heavenly father will do the same to you if each of you doesn't forgive your brother from your heart he leaves the parable addresses the question and says my father will hand you over the tortures if you don't forgive from your that heart that was key for me was when i realized that that last verse in matthew 18 is not pretend right it's not part of the parable just a point you know a principle it was literally actually jesus saying my heavenly father i have nothing to say about it he's the one in charge he will hand you over to the tormentors until you forgive your brother from your heart. So we went into what is tormentors and what does it mean to forgive from your from our heart? We delved into that big time. Yeah, and, and the torturer, uh, or, is, the, word, the word torture is also translated torment. Right. And that word's used 18 times in the Greek New Testament. And of the other 17 times, every other time except maybe one, it's used in connection with hell or demonic mm -hmm. activity. Mm. Uh, it, it's, we are handed over to demonic tormentors when we don't forgive. Not because we've been wounded, but because we haven't forgiven the wound. And when we saw that the first time and God revealed that to our hearts, it was shocking at one point. But on the other hand, it, it made a lot of sense. It brought a lift to my spirit because now I'm like, oh, no wonder I have these depression issues. No wonder there's what is, what is torment. So torment in our culture, um, we, there's many ways it can be shown, but the main ways we see it is in Depression, anxiety, fear, strong fear. All of these, you know, we all may have a little bit of being down or be afraid, but I'm talking about controlling. Um, outbursts of anger, paranoia, all of the addictions, every single addiction. Alcohol, drugs, sex, yep. all of Alcohol, drugs, sex, sometimes food. Um, we see it in the addictions. We see it in some physical issues. So when we coach people and walk them through to get free of the torment by forgiving the wounds we witness right in front of our eyes people set free from every kind of addiction set free from depression um the stress the stress the marriage ceases the, the the you know the anger and the outburst and sometimes not always but sometimes um we see physical 
healing right in front of us. We didn't ask for physical healing. We just witness it. And we're not saying that all physical issues are related to unforgiveness. We're not saying that, Mm -hmm. but if the torment is in that place and that's how he's tormenting, then yes, um, that, that will, you will be healed. It is crazy. The things we have witnessed. There was, there was a couple that that came to us and, uh, he's actually a Grammy award winning R and B guy. And, uh, he'd come to faith a few weeks before, and after he came to faith, he came he came clean with his wife that he had he did not know how many women he had slept with in the fourteen years of their marriage and mm. lots of porn. And he had and yeah and he had an eleven year old son his wife knew nothing about. Oh wow! wow. He had a full blown sex addiction. Yeah. And somehow he talked her into coming to see us. So they came to us and we began delving down what's the background, what's the backstory because wounded. People wound people often in the way in which they're wounded. Mm-hmm. And if a son sees a father unfaithful to his mother, if he doesn't deal with that wound, because there is a wound into the son, he will oftentimes repeat that same behavior mm-hmm. himself. And so we began dealing with dad, and, and he was we were coaching him to forgive his dad for the specific things his dad had done not only what he did to his mom, but what he did to him. And in the middle of the, of the forgiving dad, Mm -hmm. he said, and my sister, Mm -hmm. I said, what did your dad do to your sister? Said nothing. It's what my sister did to me. Mm -hmm. I said, well, let's park that over here for just a second. We'll finish forgiving dad. We forgave dad, blessed dad. I said, okay, let's talk about your sister. What did your sister do? Well, when I was six to 11, sometime in that time frame, she not only molested me, but she used me like a sex toy with Mm -hmm. her friends. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and when, and she's never repented, she's never owned up to it. And I said, that explains the sex addiction you have. And so when he forgave his sister for the specific things she had done and allowed to happen to him, everything in this man's countenance shifted, everything changed. And he, he was free. And then Tony coached his wife to forgive her husband and herself and some other things in her life, they walked out arm in arm reconciled in about a three hour conversation. Wow. That's what's crazy. It's very short. And uh, about what, three weeks later, two, three weeks later, we yeah. get a phone call from Japan and the guy's pro- uh, producer calls and says, we don't know what you did with, but we got a, I got a similar issue. Can we? And so they flew from Japan to Atlanta, Georgia to, to, mm-hmm. to meet with us and they walked away free. And now the first couple has a, Ministry, two ministries they've developed, one to men with sex addictions and another to couples in crisis, and they're using Forgiving Forward as their major, their foundational piece to both ministries. Wow. And that was a number of years ago, maybe seven, eight, yeah. something like that. And and uh, I just communicated with him recently, and he said, just wanted to write and thank you again. Our lives still, Howard, they're, they've never been the same. Everything has changed and so, anyhow, it's really cool. We, he goes, we just celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary, and we're doing great. I said, that's awesome. Amazing. So, well, that's well. what we see all the time. For those who are, want a little bit more information, uh, go to forgivingforward.com. Uh, you can see some of our material there. There's a course. There's a book. There's a, a sermon you can watch that kind of summarizes the stuff. But that's you can also download the protocol. You can reach out because we can, we can help yeah. you no matter where you're located. Okay, we can help you. Now we've wow. done a lot of talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all good though. I'm so thankful yeah. of what yeah. you guys are sharing there. And um, uh, you've mentioned a few things of how 
sometimes unforgiveness can manifest itself in our lives. Um, there's physiological issues, spiritual, emotional, all these different areas that can occur. Um, for people that are listening, they might have picked up on some of that, but maybe break down a little bit more. What are some signals maybe that there is unforgiveness? Maybe there, there needs to be a process engaged in here. What would be some things that start to be revealed in someone's life? Because I know you talked about Bruce even, like you wrote the letter, you thought it was dealt with, but it wasn't, right? And uh, right. So, so people might have those questions. They might have thought they've gone through a process and they maybe think in their mind, they put it to the back burner of their life because it's dealt with in their mind, but some things are still coming up. So what are some signals maybe that people should look out for or be aware of um, that maybe are revealing something that the Holy Spirit's showing or, or whatever else that they need to forgive? Well, bitterness is a poison we drink hoping someone else dies. And so uh, if there's a bitterness that's still toward them, uh, if there is torment, it, it, literally, if someone is still tormented or still consumed by it, I forgave, but I'm still over, uh, controlled or it dominates my, my heart, or whenever I think of that person, I get this err inside of me. Uh, a, a key, if you want to know if you're forgiven, can you bless them? If you can't bless them, you've not forgiven. Because because blessing is part of, is the validation for our forgiveness. But sometimes when people come in our doors, they don't know even know who the issue is about, but they come to us because they feel tormented. Mm -hmm. So what we mean by that is there is um, something that's controlling them that they can't get over. It could be, you know, cocaine, it could be sexual addiction, it could be, um, their anger, their just this general feeling of, you know, um, just can't, I just can't get over this. I can't get free. There's something holding me back. My feet are in concrete, whatever. And so instead of being, we can be tempted to do this, but instead of being tempted in talking about what the issue is like, okay, in trying to figure it out, we don't even go there. We ask them, who wounded you the deepest in your life and what did they do? We know it's related to a wound. So we want to find out where that began. And so we go back and we ask, it could be, a, you know, like recently I was working with a lady who came in and she had been recommended to come visit, see us many times over the years and just hasn't. And she finally came in. She said, you know, I just can't seem to function real well. I'm just seem like I can't move forward and I don't know why. And so she starts telling me, I asked her the question I, and I said, tell me your story. What, tell me how you've been wounded in your past and who's wounded you deeply. And so, well, my mom and dad were great. And, you know, I, I've been married twice because both my husbands passed away, but you know, one of them was okay. One of them, and, but she just never could get there. And she, but I picked up on this clue. She kept saying, I'm so stupid. I'm a dummy. I mean, maybe seven times she said those words. Mm. So I said, okay, let's just, Let's, let me ask you this. Who's the first person that called you a dummy or mm -hmm. called you stupid? And she said, my chemistry teacher. And I didn't ask any questions. We actually didn't even broaden that discussion at all. But when we went to prayer and I asked the Lord to reveal to her who she should forgive first, to her heart or her mind, bring a face, bring a name, wait. We have silence. We wait and let him speak. She couldn't think of anybody. Now, I have pages of her history of all kinds of wounds, but she... I didn't want to put those people's names in her. I didn't want to be a Holy Spirit. So mm -hmm. I, I just waited. And I, and so I'm, I said, okay, let's just give it a little more time. And I keep my phone next to me for multiple reasons. And it came in handy to that day because as I was waiting, 
up popped a news bulletin that said that a chemistry class in Virginia had to be, um, what do you call it when they evacuated. evacuated because of something. And I saw that and I went, all right, Lord. I said, why don't we just start with the chemistry teacher? So she did. And, and in faith and all this stuff came out, she had buried, I mean, she was in her seventies. She had buried about this chemistry teacher. Oh my gosh, did God set her free? Mm -hmm. She walked out of here a completely different person. And that is the norm. When we um, look at someone and see the pain they're in, and it could, we, they may not even say it's related to somebody, something that happened to them, but they are living in torment. And the list I gave earlier, we see it that way. And so we go after it and forgiveness is 99.9% the yeah, I think all relational issues can be resolved if we if we learn to forgive. Mm. And what's interesting about our when we've coached coached hundreds and hundreds of couples mm -hmm. to freedom, we have a ninety plus percent breakthrough rate in one sitting. A hundred percent of the time, it's never not been the case that the wound that's driving the torment that's causing the conflict in the relationship predate the couple ever meeting. Mm -hmm. the, the current issue is rarely the issue. So we deal with the current issue. And if the freedom doesn't come, then, then, okay, there's something deeper we have to go for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love it. I love what you're saying. I'm wondering um, you, the difference between hurts and unforgiveness, if that makes sense. And I'll expand a little bit. Like if, if somebody deeply, deeply hurts you, um, sometimes that the reminders can be there or, you can you can replay that sometimes in your mind. Is that a sign of of unforgiveness if you're replaying things in your mind, or is it a sign that hey, maybe you've forgiven and you can bless the person, but you're still dealing with hurt? Does that make sense? Uh, it does, and it it, it it in some ways it could be a complicated answer, but it's very simple. Um, I think once you choose to forgive and you fully blessed, you'll still remember it, but you'll remember it with a different perspective. Mm. You won't remember the wound you'll remember the the cross and right. i think maybe that's something we need to throw in here to maybe help clarify what i just said is that there's a big question as to why because we believe god disciplines unforgiveness more harshly than any other sin we as believers can commit because there's nothing else he says i'm handing you over to the tormentors for so the question is why why does he discipline unforgiveness that harshly because forgiveness is at the core of the gospel you can't cut the gospel anywhere it doesn't bleed forgiveness. Mm -hmm. In Luke 24, Jesus says, if it's not the last, it's one of the last conversations he has with his disciples before he leaves. He says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again on the third day so that. And that so that is a purpose clause, which means what precedes the purpose clause is not the main goal. It's the means to the main goal. And as big of a deal as the death and resurrection of Jesus is, and it's a pretty big deal. It's not the main goal. What's the main goal? It always follows the purpose clause so that repentance for forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Because the gospel is simply this. In the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, not only did man lose a lot, but it it impacted God because God lost the glory He were, he we were designed to give him, and we lost the relationship we were designed to have with him. And he said, I want my kids back and my glory back, but there's a problem. There's a 150,000-year debt. It's greater than that, that they cannot, they cannot pay. That's why you asked earlier, why such a big amount? Because the contrast between someone else's sin between us, uh, toward us, or the sin of us against God, it, it's huge. Mm -hmm. 
And, and Jesus said, I'll cover it, Dad. So he leaves heaven, comes to the plant, lives 33 and a third years perfectly on the cross, said, it is finished. What was finished? The payment for the sin of the world. So when we say, God may forgive, but I won't, we're saying the blood of Jesus may satisfy God for what they did, but, but I need something more. And I think this even circles around, uh, Matt, to your uh, previous question as to what's the difference. I think oftentimes the forgiveness models that we hear say, I will forgive, and which means I will just no longer hold this against you. I'll absorb the cost. And that's insufficient. Mm. It, we always feel taken advantage of when we do that. We always feel like, wow, that's not fair. But the true motivation for forgiveness is because the blood of Jesus has already paid for it. Yeah, First John 2, 2 says that Jesus is the satisfaction, not only for my sins, how I've wounded other people, but also for the sins of the entire world. So every sin, every wound, everything was covered by him on the cross. Yeah, so forgiveness is simply applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer. So when I say the blood of Jesus covers that, the blood of Jesus is enough to satisfy me for all that has ever happened to me, the blood of Jesus is enough, then the debt has been settled. It has been paid. I guess an example I would use is if, if I'm if I'm driving on the road and somebody runs a stop sign or stoplight and hits me and totals my car, right? And I get out, I'm hell, I'm fine, I'm not hurt, they're not hurt. The first thing that we ask for is a, a driver's license. Second thing we ask for is a insurance card. And if I see on that insurance card that 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 there is a large entity that is committed and legally required to satisfy my claim, I no longer have to see that person anymore. I never have to, after that day, I never have to have an interaction with that person because somebody bigger than them has paid their debt. That's cool. So somebody bigger than them has paid our debt and their debt toward me and my debt toward him. And, and it's enough. But back to, to Matt's question, um, to his point about, you know, if I, I think I've forgiven, um, I can bless them, but I still keep replaying the situation in my mind. I, I think the answer to that is Matthew 18, 35 says we need to forgive from our heart. And we, if I just said, you know, I forgive my uncle and go on, I really haven't forgiven him because in order to forgive from our heart, we have to go down into the place we were wounded. If I just say, I forgive my uncle, that's staying in my mind, in my head. But when I go to my heart, I will say, I, I deal with the wound, not the name of the person, but the wound. Mm. Jesus himself said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So I have to deal with what they've done or not done, intentional, unintentional. So I choose to forgive. And it's a choice, by the way, not a feeling. I choose to forgive my uncle for, and I sit and I list every single thing he did that brought me pain. It's like I see in my heart arrows and I'm pulling one out at a time and I'm laying him at the cross till no more memories that God is bringing to my heart 
um, come to me of the wounds when I think it's finished. And then we will, we'll go through this later, but we deal with blessings. So if it, you're still replaying this, this situation, two things I believe can be true. One is that you haven't forgiven from your heart. And number two, uh, meaning all the wounds, like I just mentioned. And number two would be that there is a deeper wound that's similar to that one, that this is really hitting. Mm-hmm. So if someone betrayed you um, present day, you know, a best friend betrayed you in some way, and you for, believe you were forgiven him, and you but you keep replaying it. The question we would ask is, who's the first person that betrayed you in your life? Because that just bumped up into something that's actually deeper mm-hmm. than the present day issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what she said is important to, to reiterate. We don't forgive people; we forgive wounds. Because mm. it doesn't work to say, "I forgive my dad." For what? Existing, he's created in the image of God. We're to honor all men. But we forgive dad for for not showing up at my ball games when he said he would, for cheating on my mom or for telling me I'd never be good enough or my mom for whatever. But we specifically forgive the wounds. And that's why it's not a process. I think it's another fallacy out there that forgiveness is a process. And eventually it will all work out. I will eventually get free. No, it's a transaction. It's a, it's it's transferring the debt to the cross of Jesus or it's settled. Mm. And it's no longer between me and them. It's between them and God. It's, wow. it's I've sold the note to God. Wow. You've made such key distinctions that we won't unpack more. We want to give more space to do that. So we're going to wait till next time with you guys because we're going to get into that, the the process versus transaction aspect and and what all that all means. But thank you guys so much. That leaves us at the perfect point, I think, to end this podcast. And I encourage everybody out there listening, wait till next week because we're going to unpack more of what it means to forgive and the, the transaction that Bruce and Tony are discussing. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.